Hello there. What's up? My name is Nate. You're listening to Life Tips Podcast. Welcome. Everyday life topics with advice and tips for becoming a better you. This show is all about self-improvement. Each episode is unique to whatever you're going through, and it doesn't matter your youth or gender. Everyone can benefit. But the reality is that nobody is perfect. There's always going to be downfall with rising, and there's something to improve upon every single day. So if you want to make changes in your life, then follow along, and I'll help you take yesterday's mistakes and master them for a new tomorrow. Let's get started. All right, before we get started with this episode today, if you are brand new to Life Tips, thank you, thank you, thank you. I look forward to uh, impacting your life and I pray that you take something that I've said to heart, jot it down in your notes, on your phone, in your notepad, wherever, and just plan to apply it to your life. If you are a current or faithful listener of the show who have been with us since day one, welcome back. Excited to continue this journey with you, and we hope that you continue to enjoy the show as you always do. All right, let's get started. Hey, hey, everybody, it's Nate your inspirational speaker slash host. I have exciting, 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 exciting news. Oh my goodness. So you'll notice that on anchor.fm backslash life tips, there is a dollar sign right next to our intro. Right next to the picture that houses our name listen on spotify is there dollar sign support is there as well as message the dollar sign support means that you can now financially support life tips podcast yourself big news so if you love this podcast so much and you want to keep it going and you want me to stay on the air with you all Like, yeah, there you go, all you. And the best part about this is it's not tied to sponsors. Sponsorship is a whole different thing. This is not tied to sponsors. Now, one could argue probably should have turned that on months ago, but year one was all about being free and being accessible. Year two is where the moolah portion of podcasting comes in. Pretty cool strategy, huh? So yeah, you can support Life Tips Podcast yourself. And if you'd like to do that, just click the dollar sign and boom. So in order to see the dollar sign, 
just go to www.anchor.fm backslash life tips. That's all you got to do. Once you get there, the dollar sign will be there and you will be able to financially contribute. Thank you. Thank you. And once again, thank you. What's up, world? Welcome back to Life Tips Season 7. I'm your host, Nate. And I am an inspirational speaker. All right. We've made it to Episode 5. Y'all blew up Adriana last week in Episode 4. Oh, my gosh. Um... So episode five had lots of twists and turns and unexpected stuff happen to it. And so the original plan and, of course, now the backup plan for episode five is not happening. Ade was going to be on the show today. As the backup plan. But you'll hear from her. You'll hear from Ade in about a month's time. So not too far down the road. But she is back in season seven. Just had to uh, slap her into the back half of the season. So today it is a flashback episode. So... We're going to get a flashback episode from Chris, She Speaks Podcast, Shinjini from Da's Media Group, who's also the Go-Getter Girl, and also from Dr. Latanya Moore, who is a licensed therapist, a very strong God-fearing woman, and the host of Spirituality Podcast. So, those are the three lineups for today. There's your episode, and I'll be back at the end to wrap things up. Oh, man. I told you, you come in with some good questions, Nate. So, first of all, um, I am actually well. Um, all is well. Um, there's a song that says, It is well with my soul and because I know how all of this turns out in the end um, I am anchored Um, my soul is anchored because I for one know that it doesn't matter how much I worry God is still in control and so why worry Um, not to say that I don't worry but I always bring myself back to why worry Um, and then I'm reminded that God says that I have everything in my hands and even at your best that you think you can keep anyone in your life from harm. I'm still and I'm still the one that has control over everything, even those you love. And so I when I think about that and I think about my son, um, when people ask me, well, are you scared for him? Aren't you terrified for him? And my answer is a resounding no, Mm. I'm not terrified. Mm. I am not, um, I'm not scared, um, but I am cautious. 
Um, and there is a difference. I'm not scared. Um, God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind, meaning that I am wise enough to know how this world is. And God has given me the wisdom to be able to explain to my son how the world is. And because of that, my son is going to go out after he finishes his senior year this year, fully prepared to face the world that I've talked to him about. And he's know how to wisely navigate that. And so because God has given me the wisdom to give him, I'm not afraid of what um, he will encounter when he goes out because he already knows some of the things that he will encounter. And my prayer is that he will use what I have given him and he will use his power to pray to cover himself when mommy's not there. And so, no, I'm not afraid. Um, uh, because af- being afraid is only going to keep me stuck and then in turn it's going to keep him stuck and so I'm just cautious I'm cautious with um, what I hear I'm cautious with what he hears um, I ask him on a constant basis hey have you heard about such and such what do you think about that a lot of times we assume that our kids are not um, paying attention And they are. They are paying attention. And it is our job as parents to make sure we check in with them um, and say, hey, how are you? You know, what do you think about this? And so because I do check in with him, I'm not afraid for him. Um, I'm actually excited for him. Mm -hmm. I'm excited for him to go out and experience this world for himself. Um, I am constantly working every day, every week to give him the tools he needs. And so uh, I'm excited for him. And um when it comes to the whole white privilege part, <laughs> me and my son talk about this all the time. I always tell him, listen, mama can't control who you choose. I can't control who you interact with. But what I am going to say is that not everybody has your best interest at heart. And if you are going to find yourself in the presence of a Karen, and I think we all by now know what a Karen is. I tell him, if you find yourself in the presence of a Karen, remember that Karen is looking for you to act up. Don't give her that part of you. You can choose to act up or you can choose to show her that you are not that person and that you are going to kill her with your intelligence and you can respond better and get a better response. Now, even still, some Karens, you respond to them, you know, when you go high, they still go low. Um, the best thing that he can do is, is just to protect himself. You know, that that's it. Um, because there are going to be some Karens that he's going to come in contact with that they're not going to care about his GPA. They're not going to care about how well kept he is. They're not going to care about him coming from a good home. All they're going to see is a young black boy, um, possibly with a fro, because my son has big hair. You know, they're going to see him um, as a threat. And I tell him all the time, like, people are going to see you this way. And they're probably going to try to weaponize that. Like, they're going to try to make you a threat. And you make sure that you show up and you show show them that you are not who they think you are. Um, and that's the best that I can do um, with that. When it comes to these weaponized tears that people these days are using more often than not, um, I don't shy away from them. I have been in a situation myself where um, a woman literally tried to play victim after um, insulting me. And um, 
And I'm like, uh, first of all, <laughs> first of all, I'm not that one. Um, just because I am saved does not mean that I have forgotten where I'm from. And um, we we can go there, um, but I choose not to. Um, because a lot of times women, uh, white women um, and white men expect black women mostly um, to quote unquote go there. Um, they expect mm-hmm. us to have an attitude. They expect mm-hmm. us to be mm-hmm. um, what they call aggressive. Mm-hmm. I actually mm-hmm. used to call myself aggressive because I'm such a strong personality mm-hmm. until I realized how much they use that term to um, to guilt us into being those type of people. Wow. And then I started re I started reevaluating how I called myself. And so I started saying that I was assertive, not aggressive, right. okay. because mm-hmm. aggression is just a perverted form of assertiveness. Yeah. And so I don't shy away from God calling me to be assertive. Um, I told I I think it was Christian's podcast that I was speaking on. And I told her, I said, how can I truly be the salt of the earth if I sugarcoat everything that I say? How? And so I don't let people cower me. I don't let people um, push me into a corner where I feel like I can't use my voice and then um, second guess myself because they say I'm being too aggressive or I'm doing too much. Um, if God has called me to it, then that's what it is. If God has impressed on my heart that, Hey, this is what you say. I'm going to cry loud and spare not. And so, um, when I encounter people who have this privilege that they carry and which I have on and offline, um, I meet them with that passion that God has given me to cry loud and spare not. So, you know, they don't move me with the tears and they definitely don't move me with their privilege because I'm an heir of Christ. And so they think they got something. I definitely have inherited a lot more. (laughs) Y'all listen. Whoa. That degree. That. What's up family. It's your hostess with the most T the goat from over at powerfully black and excellent. It's the podcast that seeks to make your skin folk, your kin folk all across the nation, baby. Now look, I'm not going to be on here for too long, but listen, if you're looking for a way to find out more about black entrepreneurs and business professionals, we got you. If you're looking for a way to entertain yourself on a lazy Sunday, we got you. If you're looking for motivation, inspiration, or something that just puts that fire underneath of you to make sure that you follow your passion, we got you over at Powerfully Black and Excellent. You can find us on almost all streaming platforms under the name Powerfully, Black and Excellent without the E. You know what I'm saying? But we launch a new episode every week on Sunday at 12 p.m. So if you're not listening to us, I don't know what you're doing. Come join the fam. I'm the host of the Women Are Royalty podcast, where we have raw conversations with little women who walk according to a royal standard. You can find my show, Women Are Royalty, on Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, and iHeartRadio. Um, which is really excited. I was really excited when it when it dropped on iHeartRadio. So yes, you can find it on iHeartRadio, I have a podcast, Spotify podcast, wherever you listen to your podcast. That's a very good question. And this is the reason why you have to read this book, Relational Intelligence, because 
even Jesus had ride or dies, okay? Mm -hmm. And so um, the book tells us more about that, you know, and the Bible does too. But um, it just really tells us about, you know, there were 12 disciples, but three were like Jesus' boys, you know what I mean? They were like with them all the time. And so Mm -hmm. because of that, you know, I would say that we can have best friends or people who are our ride or dies, people who we tell, you know, more things to. They get privileges to, you know, as it relates to us, right? They get Mm -hmm. access, a different level of access to us that other people who aren't as close, you know, get. And so I do think that it's important for you to, you know, think about those, those people who are close in your circle, because once those people are getting, you know, to your ears, they get to your brain. Those are the people that's like your board of executives, Mm. right? Those people are the ones who make decisions. And so you really want to be careful about the people that you're calling, quote, unquote, best friend. And the reason why I say that is because when I think about Keenan relationships, I think about my best friend. I think about the, the, you know, the two or three people that are closest to me. These are people who can hear God on my behalf. Mm. These aren't yes men. These mm. aren't people who tell me that everything looks good. These aren't people who are just going to boost my head up and my self-esteem up. No, we're having like really hard conversations and they're like my my biggest critics and my biggest supporters mm. in one. Wow. Right. And wow. so I do think that that's important to think about um, to have a best friend and to have, you know, people who are closest to you because they have the greatest level of access. Right. And so and they have the greatest level. So you want to ensure that they are um, the right people in your life. I'll also say, too, that um, I agree with uh which one of the twins what is was Tia. Tia, Tamara? Mm-hmm. It was Tia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I agree that this is revealing, you know, a lot. It's revealing a lot about loyalty, right? So I agree that the people that are keeping in contact with you or like, you know, the people who um who might be your ride or dies or people who want to support you more. And I'll also say that we have to be careful not to judge people mm. around this time, you know, as it relates to mm. how they have, you know, communicated, if they've continued to communicate, because they're going through the same thing, you know, mm-hmm. and everyone is adjusting differently. And so for that person, it may be that, hey, I need to take a, a break. You know, I might need to stay away for a little while and um, I don't need to talk to you as much. And so for someone else is I need more support right now. So please, can we talk for three hours a day? So I don't think it's the time to judge those those loyalties um, either. Wow, that's a word. That's a word. Okay. Do you want to start your own podcast? If you do, great. I'm here for it. But you may ask, how do you do it? Well, that's the easy part. You first have to come up with the vision and plans for your show including a name, episode count, and main objective. Secondly, you'll need to come up with topics that will catch your listeners' attention and keep them interested. The final thing you'll need is a hosting platform. That's where Anchor comes in. It's free to download. You can make money from your show with no minimum listenership. Record using your iPhone, iPad, or MacBook. And there are many more tools Anchor provides that you can take advantage of in order to create freely. No studio or expensive equipment needed. So if you're interested in getting your show off the ground, go to www.anchor.fm backslash start to get 
started with your amazing new unique show i can't wait to hear what you'll come up with hello folks my name is carney Dwayne palmer i have a podcast called the pbcdp which stands for podcast by carney Dwayne palmer I tell my little corny jokes sometimes, and I also share a story of two of my story or two of my life. I have fun. Uh, do also get serious, but let you judge for yourself. So why don't you tune in to Anchor FM forward slash PBCDP. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. Thank you. Okay, so I am Indian. Mm. So I am from India. Uh, India, Malaysia, and then the United States. So I moved to America when I was nine, Mm. um, which actually is a little bit unique because most of my friends, uh, either they moved here really young, so like two, you know, and, and they don't really remember anything. And a lot of them moved directly from India. So my uniqueness is I moved at a pretty, like, I'm nine and a half, you know, so you're definitely a functioning human being, so you go through more, I feel like, and then also I moved from Malaysia to America, but I'm not Malaysian, I'm Indian, so I think that was another interesting fact about me, and it's interesting because when I came here, I mean, I really didn't feel like I belonged, I moved to New Jersey first, and uh, yeah, yeah, so... Yeah, New Jersey, and uh, really cold. You know, I've never seen snow before because Malaysia is on the equator, so mm, okay. it's literally hot twelve months of the year. Wow. Yeah, hot. Yeah, because it's on the equator. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so, like, I've never seen snow before, and you know, I, it just it was just a lot. I think it was just wow. really different. Uh, culturally, it was different, and then also, you know, that's when I realized that a lot of my friends in America had never even left the state, much less the country, you know? And so I started getting questions like, oh, uh, where is Malaysia? And then one of the popular ones was, oh, so you're Malaysian. You know, so there was this real lack of understanding of diversity, as well as the idea that the world is a lot bigger than America. And I mean, there was a lot that I feel like we were, you know, dealing with, I think at the time. Which, uh, which, which is, which was humbling, you know, which is kind of humbling to experience and see. But, you know, I uh, went through it. You know, I was very happy at the end of it. You know, I was like, oh, I love America. This is great. But I think somewhere always well, there was this feeling of, like, one day if I ever get the chance, I really want to educate and inspire and empower people, especially in America, to understand that there are different countries outside that someone can be American, but be from three different cultures, and that's normal. And I just feel like we need to have a broader conversation, not just about diversity, Mm -hmm. but about this idea that being American is uh, a lot of things, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so I think that motivated uh, me a lot. But yeah, so that's where my name comes from. It means sound of an anklet. So an anklet is a uh, like a series of bells, right, that you wear. Wow, okay. Yeah, so sound of an anklet. Uh, in this case, in Indian culture, uh, a lot of the anklets have sounds. Mm-hmm. So it's it's bells, basically. So it's the sound of the bells. Mm. 
by the way, y'all, we can see each other. Um, we're on Google. We're on Google Meet right now. So uh, if you hear a little bit more expression in the conversation, it's because we can see each other. Uh, so that's amazing. Um, so tell us, and this is this is the big story that I'm really interested in. How did you become a CEO, a speaker, a digital entrepreneurship expert with the U.S. Department of State, a social media influencer, and an engineer? Like that from from when I looked up, from when I looked up and you know did research on you. Turned you were 24 when you like got to this point, and now you're 28. That was about four. It's been about four years almost. Just like how did you how did you get there? Like especially from coming from out of the country at you know nine years old and coming to the place you know where you went through school. You have to go through school and college and so. Talk about your journey for a bit. I'm really interested to know how you ended up with all this at yeah. this at that particular age, and then you know, moving up, you know, all these years later, and then you know, what life tip, what life, what life tip or advice would you have for those listening who may want to pursue the same path? Totally, totally. And I'm I'm really happy you mentioned that, Nate, because when you move to this country from another country, you know, I do want to be clear: you start at zero. Mm. There's this idea that you know, let's say you're very successful in India, very successful in another country, but when you come here, a lot of the times, like my my family friends, like my friends, uh, a lot of them have had to start over here. So let's wow. say they had a degree in India, they had a degree in another country, but that degree didn't qualify in America, right? So they had to do whatever medical school again. Some of them had to get their PhD again. Like there, like you start from zero. I, I just want to say that. So when I came at nine and a half, while you know I went to a very good, actually very large private school in Kuala Lumpur, I was one of the one of the most prestigious you know private schools in in Malaysia. Uh, still is. Um, I started from zero here because that was the British system. Because Britain, right, mm -hmm. Malaysia, uh, and India. Uh, and uh, and uh, this is America, you know. So it was the American system, you know, because Britain had control over uh, all those uh, right, countries. Uh, so everything everything was different. My point is right. So I grew up in a British system. This was America. So when you say you know moved here and like I, I really started from nothing here is is what I'm trying to tell you at nine and a half. So I mean I was in currency classes, you know, because I didn't know the currency. I didn't. We really had to. You know, start from zero. English wasn't a problem. Thankfully, I did know English, and, and I was very good at English. But the accent was a big thing. Of like, it's British, kind of have like a British accent. It's American, very different. So yeah, I just I just want to say that you know, for all immigrants, sure. we really do start at zero. So I think that was uh, that was true. Uh, in retrospect, I think um, you know, at each step, I almost followed you know, the signs. And so I really think the life tip there is obviously to be a go-getter and to go get your goals, but to also be very intuitive about the signs that are in front of you. And so while, you know, in the beginning, I'll be honest, I definitely had questions about why are we in America? Like I was doing so well in Malaysia. I had this amazing school, you know, really just amazing school. Like it was a huge Olympic pool and like any opportunity that I could want. So I'm like, why are we here? Like that was definitely a question. But then I realized that God brought my whole family here, and and I have to respect that. And there's probably a reason for that, which I will find out at some point. You know, because 
the first few years were pretty hard for me, you know, wow. just from barriers to like the teachers saying stuff like, why don't you know how to write a poem? And I said, well, I, I never wrote a poem in Malaysia. Uh, why don't you know American currency? I tweeted about this. Why don't you know what a nickel is? Why don't you know what a dime is? And then I asked her, I said, do you know what Malaysian currency is? Because, you know, like the world is not America. So there, there was just a lot of challenge, right. you know, mm -hmm. but every time I knew that God placed us in this country for a reason, I'm going to find out one day. And so that just kept me going. Uh, honestly, school uh, was always prioritized, right, in my home. So, you know, I was a very good student, you know, very, uh, you know, dedicated, diligent. You know, I would go to India, you know, for, you know, family vacation, come back. Literally, the next day was a big test. You know, I would just, you know, rip through the test. I mean, that's just our conditioning, you know, as right. an immigrant. Your work ethic is just, you know, everything. So I think that was that. Uh, we moved to Georgia when I was uh, 11, so 9 to 11. I was in New Jersey, 11 and beyond was in Georgia. Uh, that was when everything changed. I went to a math and science uh, middle school. So it was like a math and science charter school. Uh, so that's where I got discovered uh, as a leader. So I was the president of a National Junior Honor Society, and then I was the eighth grade valedictorian, and then I was told to give the graduation speech. So that's really what changed everything. Um, so when I gave the speech, and I mean, I'm like not trained or anything, right? So I'm, I'm just like speaking, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, everybody came up to me and my mom, and they said, you have to do this. And I said, do what? I'm 14 at this point, right? Okay. They said, uh, public speaking. And I said, what, what is public speaking? I mean, this is so foreign to us, Nate, as immigrants, as Indians. Wow. Like, we have no idea what this is, you know? Uh, so, like, they were like, no, just go look up speech and debate in high school. And I said, okay, great, I can do that. So graduated middle school, went to high school in Georgia, looked up speech and debate, you know, figured out what that was, and then went to the coach. Turns out that there was a new coach coming uh, in my 10th grade year. So when I turned 15, we had a new speech coach. And I think that, again, is destiny and the stars aligning mm -hmm. because we needed a speech coach to, you know, get the permissions and stuff because you're under 18. So went up to her, and then she showed me this booklet of speech events. You know, wow. and she said, here's, you know, here's some examples. Tell me what you want to do. I literally looked at it and I said, original oratory. I already know. I've never done this before. Like I've never even spoken before like this, mm -hmm. but I already know that this is calling me. And and I listened to that intuition. You know, even at 15, like I didn't know anything about anything about this, you know, about speaking, but I knew that this intuition was right. And basically it was a 10 minute speech that you write yourself and you have to deliver it. Uh, and you are rated, you are judged, you are you know, rated. Uh, and, and I knew, I knew that like, this is it, like I will be successful here, you know? And I did that. This is like, dude, no experience, like wow. zero experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. My family had no knowledge of this, uh, and of speaking and, you know, right. Also like the writing, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. our families are more attuned to sort of like math and science, like with English writing. Um, I, I was on my own. I'll say mm -hmm. that. And when you're coming from an immigrant family, again, my parents know English very well. They're very right. smart, college educated, but it, that's just not typically the strength, you know, right. like English. You know, um, so yeah, so I was on my own. I wrote my own speeches. I literally won everything that year, Nate. Year one, I swept. Like it was a clean sweep of like, I, like literally eight or nine trophies. First trophy of my life, you know, and I write about this in my memoir that when you're that young and you've never gotten like literally a physical trophy before and you win your first trophy, it, it, it gets addicting, you know, because then you think, oh my gosh, 
wasn't a singer. Like, what was my talent? What was my skill? You know, and so this became my skill, and I clean swept that. At 16, I became state champion in original oratory from nothing, from zero, right? Like, I'm like, like it's crazy. Like, now that I think about it, I know that that was God. Because, like, there, I, I, mean, I, I can't even explain to you how little experience I had. I mean, I had nothing, no experience. Uh, and I just want to say everybody around me, you know, was uh, white, uh, male. I mean, it's just, that's what I've grown up with, you know, uh, or, or just men, even if they were men, of, if they were people of color, they were men. Uh, so I'm very used to that. I'm like, there's no real women. And like I was, but, but, uh, but I kept doing it because I thought that there should be somebody, you know, who's a female, you know, woman of color, girl of color at that time. So original oratory, Georgia at 16, at 17, I switched over to FBLA. FBLA is another organization called Future Business Leaders of America. And I mm. became the national finalist in FBLA at 17. So literally my trajectory was 15, 16, 17. And then because of that, I couldn't compete anymore at 18. Wow. Like the, their rule is like once you make it to the national, like that's it. Wow. Uh, so it, you know, I didn't compete. I used all of that to apply to Georgia Tech, obviously in a really good school in state. I uh, got the President's Scholarship, which is a full ride merit based scholarship. Wow. Pretty much because of public speaking, you know, and wow. he definitely uh, told me that. Because their whole thing was at Georgia Tech, no one does this. Um, it's really unique. So, you know, we, 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 want, we want you here. And I was like, okay, great. You know, I, I'll definitely accept. So I accepted that. Uh, and then 18 to 22, like, I was, like, head down. Head down, nose down, like, studying. Because uh, it's really hard. Like, it's a really hard school. And to graduate with an industrial engineering degree, which is number one in the, in the world uh, at Georgia Tech, uh, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard. Uh, so there was not much um, room for me, I would say, to speak. And all that. I did a little bit. I did a little bit. But... Uh, I still wanted to do it, and I kept mm. looking for opportunities to do it. And because of the nature of the school, being science and math and engineering, there just wasn't really much of an of a opportunity for me to do it, to be mm -hmm. honest. you know, mm -hmm. uh, While everybody was supportive, they knew me, they loved me, administrators loved me, my scholarship you know, team loved me, the department loved me, but they almost were also helpless because they were thinking that we don't, we don't know, we don't know what to advise you. You know, because no one really does this here. Mm -hmm. And so, again, I had to search, look up opportunities, and long story short, I became the commencement speaker at Georgia Tech. So, again, that was a hustle. Um, mostly men before me, you know, because I, I was uh, trying to, you know, get some advice. Uh, and then I looked at the list, and I'm like, oh, my God, these are pretty much all, not all, but pretty much all guys. Mm -hmm. um, there were all white guys. There were some uh, men of color, but, again, men. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so I okay, I did that, very successful, 22, and I was like, okay, great, so so now what, you know, uh, joined Deloitte as a business technology analyst, so again, you know, you're on the path, you're an immigrant, you know, you're checking the boxes, really good starting salary, this is what my parents worked for, right, for mm -hmm. me to go mm -hmm. to college for free, get this amazing job, technology consulting, so in many ways, uh, many people thought that I was set, like, I'm, I'm set, I'm mm -hmm. all set, I'm mm -hmm. done. What happened was, Nate, I started in that job. It was technology consulting, like software consulting, and I just felt bored pretty quickly uh, because it just wasn't really that interesting. Uh, mm -hmm. Really no room for innovation, you know, for me to share my thoughts and, and speak up and, I don't know, just be alive, you know, like there was this expectation of just get it done, 
you don't have to say that much, you know, and it's like, I don't, that's not really what I want to do. So uh, within a year and a half, it, it just, it wasn't working out. And then, you know, I had to switch over. And that's when I thought, well, what do I want to do? Right. And so again, sort of digging into that self-awareness, asking yourself, and then somewhere, again, I think it was God, I think it was intuition, mm-hmm. but I had the vision of digital, like all over my head, it was like digital, that's that's where you belong, you belong in digital, you know, because this is like 2014, 2015, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. everything was moving towards like all digital, wow. you know, digital transformation, digital this, digital tech, digital mm-hmm. this. so it, that, and that was in my head, so immediately I... I with Deloitte and I said, oh my gosh, like I, I have to get a job in digital. That's what I have to do. But how do I do that? Because, you know, I never worked in digital. So how do I pivot? How do I, because it's so hard to switch industries, you know, and, and to actually get a job in something else. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. uh, but that's why I just felt so frustrated at everything, at the lack of representation of people like me in the media, the lack of representation of educated role models, of young people, of people of color, like all of it was frustrating to me. So mm-hmm. I actually started tweeting. Uh, in many ways, Twitter uh, became, yeah, 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 yeah. Twitter became my outlet because I was so frustrated and because I felt so much, um, maybe you can say angst, maybe mm-hmm. you can say angst. I just, I just needed to let it all out. Right. You know? Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. for some reason, I, I gravitated to Twitter, you know, and I started tweeting. This was like end of 2014, I would say. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, within like six months of me even starting like a Twitter account and, and tweeting. It says here I started the Twitter account in 2013, I think. Um, mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I started tweeting seriously uh, end of 2014. Okay. So there was like a year okay. and a half of like nothing. You know, uh, and so I started tweeting and within six months, a publicist discovered me on Twitter. That's what happened. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what happened. I, I don't know if you knew that part, but. Wow. Um, yeah, that's what happened. Yeah, so that is what happened. Uh, and uh, I just, uh, again, took that as a sign. You know, because mm-hmm. I think the thing about me, I've never questioned it. Like, I've just read that sign and be like, thank you, God, I'm going to run this. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think the mistake that a lot of people make is they start questioning the signs. Mm-hmm. You know, and like, I don't deserve this, da, 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 and then it just mm-hmm. becomes a mess. So, publicist uh, reached out, and I was like, oh, my God, this this could be it. Like, this could be the break that I've been waiting for my whole life. Because, as you know, it's really hard to get on TV uh, as a person who has no connections to the mm-hmm. media. Why mm-hmm. there's no connections to the anchors and anyone, you know? So, and then on top of that, you add person of color, you add this, you add that, and you, you really have no privilege, mm-hmm. you know? When she reached out, or I think her friend reached out, and then I connected with her, the publicist, uh, immediately I was like, I'm, I'm ready. You know, I'm, I'm ready to be on TV. I'm ready to spread my message. At that point, there was no conversation on monetization, Nate, at all. I mean, mm-hmm. it was like when I was mm-hmm. three. So it really was about, can you just put me on TV? Can I just get these links? And can we just, like, do that? So I did that, she did that, and I spoke about, like, everything that year. I spoke about how to be a go-getter, because um, at that time my article came out, Five Secrets of a Go-Getter by Huffington Post, who also, by the way, discovered me, because I, again, had no connections to them. Um, so do you see the story of my life? Like, I don't, wow. like, you know there are people who I want to talk to who I don't have connections with, but I know that they're going to see my work and they're going to reach up to me. So I think that's the other life tip is you have to keep producing. You mm-hmm. have to keep working. You have to keep 
keep showing up new objects so that people can reach out to you you know um so yeah so that that's uh, that's what happened i was on tv a whole bunch of shows that year eight shows or nine shows it was awesome uh and that was 2015 uh and then 2016 i started a digital marketing job for about six months just because i thought i needed experience uh because the minute i had success on tv i knew like literally that first day of me being on a tv show i knew that not just i want to be a host that was not it but mm -hmm. i knew that this is going to be my job like media is going to be my job so then i backtracked and i said okay but that means i have to start a media company because again there was no space for someone like me to mm -hmm. work mm -hmm. and you know because uh, the thing is like if i go to any of these channels Nate, it's like same shit, different day right it's wow. all like it's all older people and i'm just like mm -hmm. i don't have time to like do this i don't have time to be here you know so either i'm going to start my own media company and change everything or i'm not going to do it at all because to me it would be very frustrating to like go to one of these channels and see the same thing all over again and mm -hmm. then not mm -hmm. be heard and not be promoted and do you know like it's right the same. yes you know so that's when i so so that that's what happened so that so the minute i was in the first show i said i'm starting a media company it's done but like, how do you do that? Like, what, mm. how do you, how does that work? How do you do it? So 2016 was when I said, let me just get a digital marketing job. At least that'll help me understand, first of all, how digital marketing works. Because again, I don't have any experience in digital marketing, you know? So again, that's the story of my life. Did that, I did not last barely but six months um, because I, again, felt a little bit controlled. Um, I didn't really enjoy what I was doing. Uh, and then also my speaking career was heating up. So I had just signed with an agency for speaking. They were fielding offers my way. And it was like, it wasn't a lot of money, but it was enough mm -hmm. to leave. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so I, I just reached a point where October 2016, um, you know, it, it physically almost hurt to go into work. Just because, again, it's the same shit, different day, right? This uh -huh. is wrong. Uh -huh. Are you doing this? Whatever. All men. Mm -hmm. Like I don't literally. I told myself. I said I don't. I don't have to do this. Mm -hmm. I don't have to do. This. There's no reason that someone with my talent and and caliber has to like go through this, you know. So I I put in my papers um, and uh, and I left. And uh, October 2016. So I have not looked back. And by the way, when I left that, I told myself. I said I am not. Like if I come back to another job, it will mm -hmm. be because I want to, not because I have to. Right. Yes. So, well, and, and that was it. That was it. Media company, DOS Media Group, October 2016. My birthday month. Wow. Yes. Yes. My birthday month. Wow. Wow. Whoa, whoa, whoa. All right. Not bad. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you to Chris, to Shinjini, and also Dr. Moore for coming back on the show and for sharing the wealth of wisdom and knowledge with us. It was extremely timely, extremely needed, and extremely beneficial. And so I apologize to y'all for season five episode or season seven episode five, excuse me. I apologize for season seven episode five. Um but You'll hear the original guest in season eight, and you'll hear from Ade a little bit later in the season, but that's how that's how it's going to go for today. I'll see y'all in episode six next week, 
And uh, yeah, take care of yourselves. If you want to follow Life Tips on social media, we have a Facebook account and a Twitter account. Both at Life Tips Podcast. If you would like to follow me on social media, you can find me on Instagram at Nate underscore the underscore speaker or underscore orator Nate. Or you can follow me on Facebook at The Wise Orator. Or you can follow me on Twitter at Auth underscore Jen underscore person. That's it for this episode. See you next week.